With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hockey world. This is old school, like when, as Anthony put it, you know, in silhouette. Um, I need to, like, get that, like, purple thing like I did on Sportsnet. Um, that took a lot of makeup. Anyway, now to Russ, who's got something to say. So let's talk a little New England Patriots. I'm going to talk about the thing that they tried to bury before they talked about the Cam Newton signing, and that is them getting fined for $1.1 million and losing a third-round pick for yet again filming another team's practice. Now, this time they got a little imaginative and they were like, well, wait a minute. It wasn't us. It was our outside company. And we didn't even know they were filming. And it's like, you know what? Everybody's tired of hearing it. And I have to say the NFL could do better. They should have taken away more than a third round pick, but the money keeps going up at some point though. They do need to make it a bigger fine and a bigger loss because this is the second time that they've been caught on, you know, by the league for this and it's not getting progressively worse but it should yeah if you're not cheating you're not trying it's only cheating if you get caught that's the old uh, yeah well this I mean, is this is sort of like they now. got caught when they beat the rams and they didn't get penalized either that year that that was never proven but that's what is supposed okay History, history i mean look no, no, that, eric mangini uh, eric mangini caught him red-handed right oh, I know. So, though that one that was you know Proven. That's that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of lot of cases here. Now, Ant, did you have something you want to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I often just wonder with, with with everything that's going on with the Patriots and specifically Belichick. I always wonder to myself, God, what would have happened if he didn't leave the? What have happened if he didn't leave, he didn't leave the Jets? Would all of this have come down? And would he have done this with the Jets? And honestly, I really start to think to myself, what would Russell's reaction be to all of this? It would be the same. Yes. So, so Anthony, I have a fun story. The night, the day he resigned, I was actually on my way to a doctor's appointment in the city. So I was working on 40th and 5th and walking. So I left just before the press conference. At that point in time, not surprising, I had a sports pager. And I remember going into the doctor and coming out looking and going, what the heck did I just miss? Yeah. I don't like cheaters on my team, against my team. I, I am that in way now. Bowls, though. You know, it doesn't matter. Well, all, all I can say is, is that the, that, I lived with the one when I was five years old. And you know what all, I mean? like, that's all I can it. say is that the uh, presumptive yeah. AFC champion, or AFC East champion, Buffalo Bills, all that talk hit this hit the brakes when Newton signing happened. Maybe. Maybe it all depends. I think with Newton, wait, well, I think Jared's still going to start. He drafts himself onto that team. How they play that no. offensive line questionable. He could get hurt. I could easily see. Sure, there's no question. But, Anthony, what I don't believe is the Adam Schefter story that 31 other teams had no interest in Cam Newton. That's baloney. Yeah. They had interest. They didn't want to pay. Well, that, that's kind the of case. He's an incentive lady. He's not wrong. Other teams had an opportunity for this. I know. Hey, Mr. Kevin Allen in the, in, the, in the bottom left square. We were joined by Kevin Allen. Here we go. Yeah, he'll be joining us in the bottom left square. But, but like Anthony said, it's not a block. Newton could get hurt. All right. What was the other? What was the other pre-show that? Yeah, you I got a pre-show related to 100 years of Negro League baseball. I did write about a few Negro yeah. League players and owners and teams in this book, Pioneers of Baseball. Oh, and you can go check it out on Amazon. But no, I mean, I've interviewed a few guys. There was a guy, Ernest Grant, who I interviewed that played for the Baltimore Elite Giants, and he, he's the one who. He's the one who stirred out for me the most. Ernest was a good guy. He was a pitcher. And when you talk to these players for 15, 20 minutes, a half hour, you realize these guys were such good players. And the fact that they weren't allowed to play at the highest level, it's, it really is horrible. And at least they were able to play, but so many of them would be in the Hall of Fame if they were able to have played in the majors. That's the thing. I, I still remember the the old Ken Burns baseball series, and yeah. easily the most interesting interview and segment 
that was when they had Buck O'Neill on. Yeah. He, you know, because he was a contemporary of 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 uh, of Satchel Paige and Josh yeah. Gibson, and he and of course he was a fan of baseball, so he was able to compare that to Babe Ruth and Ted Williams and all these other players. So, and then he eventually, I think he worked for the Kansas City Royals organization, so he was in in the major leagues as a as a scout. So he brought a great perspective, and he's just a, one of a number of great Negro League players. So yeah, it's uh, good 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 on good on yeah. you to recognize the anniversary. But uh, go ahead with your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's um, Make sure you can send me a link to the book, um, and we'll um, okay. pop it up there because it's really, it's really worthwhile. Definitely, cool. awesome. we'll do. It. Thanks. Awesome, awesome book, um, and perfectly appropriate. And as mine, as I, it's very hard to transition to my thing now, but I will try. And that is that a bear is loose in my neighborhood. Okay, so <laughs> it's the bear from the Poconos. So no, it's not the bear from the Poconos. So everyone knows, you know, that, you, that we all, all one of the things about the quarantine now that's wonderful is that we all get to take nice family walks. Well, those have now added an extra element of mystery to them. As you want, <laughs> bear. It sounds like <laughs> apparently the bear is here. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, no, but there's a, there's a bear wandering around, and it's like my son and I, who you know have trail cams up in the Poconos, trying to find bears. This is an ironic twist, um, but also a lot of fun that there would be one right around here. So we've been tracking it, and uh, over the last four days, and it's amazing how this bear has been in major, major parts of our of our like little area here of our county and yet not been able to be captured um, or in any way shape or form you know and the last it was seen which is kind of mysterious it was it was hopping the fence to go into the willow grove air base um to enter the air force base we're not sure if the bear has you know nefarious plans or not but the bear pilots a ufo yeah we're not sure what the bear is so after, in the Bermuda triangle after this podcast my son and i are heading out to find this thing we'll report back Oh my God! Can I can I just can I just say something brief? Uh, congratulations to Tony Gallagher, who was named yeah. the uh, winner of the Elmer Ferguson Award, and uh, Rick Peckham, the uh, voice of I believe the Tampa Bay Lightning, who is the uh, nominee for the Ford Foster Hewitt Award. So that came out today, and congratulations to both of them. Yes, thank you, Mike. And there's someone in the chat room put up, which I think is absolutely perfect. The question is: Are we looking for the bear, or is the bear looking for me? That's what we're now finding. We're the bear is looking for food. If you have yeah. food, it's looking for food. <laughs> All right. It's probably true. All right. Let's begin the show. We've got so much to discuss today. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, here we go. Uh, the date is the 29th. 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 Okay. Here we go. Hello, Hockey World. It is Monday, June 29th, 2020. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Anthony Mangione. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. Yeah, it's Kevin Allen. Hey, Kev. And you're um, actually Kevin's Kevin's voice and, and timing is a little off. Yeah, but it's it's working. But go, go working. ahead. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, and I'm Macklin. You're watching Hockey Buzz Cast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we can't not start with what happened Friday night. Um, we always release bad news on Friday night. And um, this was a this was interesting, Kevin, because like the way this played out. My favorite quote was from Eisman, who was like the top quote on 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 the whole NHL thing, and says he says, you know, flat out, you know, the other teams, the field had a better chance of getting this than anyone, and he's just not surprised that it happened. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I mean, he yeah he handled this incredibly well, considering yeah. the uh, <laughs> outcry on Twitter uh, was. Unbelievable! Like I, yeah, you know, uh, I just couldn't believe how upset people were about this, and not just fans in Detroit. People just thought it was a travesty of a mockery of a sham of an injustice, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, people were really, really upset. But I think it brings yeah. home, you know, kind of an issue that really needs to be discussed. I think it will yeah. be discussed just based on this having, and that is, is that. You know, there's two elements of rooting now that's become accepted in the NHL. There's the standard rooting for your team to win at all. Yeah. But there's also now a group of people who um, think it's totally fine to root for your team to lose, to uh, to tank, to, uh-oh, there goes my dogs. Um, the uh, It's totally acceptable to tank to try to yeah. get the top draft pick. And I think you need to sort of factor that in because, you know, you look – you know, there yeah. was the Buffalo Sabres, the Toronto yeah, Maple sure, Leafs, sure, yeah, sure. the New York Rangers even notified the season ticket holders that of their rebuild. 
Um, you know, it's so pronounced. The Red Wings are in the middle of that. And if that's going to be an accepted practice, I think it's time probably to look at the percentages and the odds. Um, yeah. Because I think uh, probably 18.5 for the worst team in the league for its chance to get the number one pick is too low. Now, I don't know. I think we need to debate uh, what that percentage should be, but it's certainly not 18.5. No. Right. I, the percentage was too low. I, We all joked about it, but we knew this could happen. We've talked about it, Kev. We even talked about it two months ago when I was on your show. We talked about this exact scenario with Detroit coming in fourth. So none of us are surprised that it happened, but we all should be surprised that this is what the NHL passed off as the draft lottery because the whole idea of a draft is so the teams that didn't do well have a chance to rebuild, and this is the easiest way to rebuild in any sport. Yes, you are going to get some free agents, but this is the way you're supposed to do it, and they actually are going to do the opposite here. Now, legal letter of the law, since these playing games are counting as playoff stats, essentially a playoff team is going to have a chance at the top pick, yeah. and that could never yeah. happen. Right. These are not right. I want to show you something, Kevin, because it's right along your lines. I put this out there, and I think this is important. I put this out there as a, as a, as a Twitter poll, and I've kept it up pinned to my top thing. The elephant in the room, would you rather your team play for the Stanley Cup or have a 12.5% shot at Lafreniere? Yeah, I, and I, I have I, to say, Act, that the, the poll results that somebody else ran were, were about 70-20, the exact opposite of that. I would ask on your poll, what's the percentage that are Flyers fans? What's the percentage that, because, you know. I don't know. I have a couple hundred thousand followers. Um, they I know are, you. I know. But I'm just they saying. Are all over the, they're all over the world. And I mean, uh -huh. there are Flyers fans there for sure. But um, I think I, I'm, I am completely and utterly disgusted, as you guys know, by this trend of teams wanting to tank, of people, fans wanting to tank. And now, actually, fans may be wanting to tank. In the first round of the playoffs, which is the playoffs, let's not let's just not like ignore the fact that this is the playoffs. And now we, I mean, you can say it's a play-in, but guess what happens if you win the play-in? <laughs> you go to the playoffs. Um, right. <laughs> these are the playoffs, and uh, oh my gosh! Well, I, the, the, the the question, and, and I want Anthony to go next. But the mm -hmm. question that uh, David Pagnotta of the fourth period had put to his followers was: Would you rather see your team lose in the qualifying round and win the draft lottery, or make the playoffs? And the answer is that's, that's a very different question, Mike. Uh, and the answer was 71% yes, 28%. That I completely understand. You're saying lose the draft lottery. I'm saying all polls. It's all one sec, one second. My but poll, Mike, says you, what you're actually talking about here. You, one, one second. Sorry. I'll let, I'll let everybody go, but I apologize. My poll is saying what really we're talking about here, which is if you knew that you were going to get the first pick overall if you lost in the first round, that's one thing. That's like a that's still horrendous, but it's still that's one that I can see that. But now you're only going to get a 12.5 percent chance to pick if you lose in the first round. That's the that's the question here. But act the, the and, and I, I'll I'll let Anthony go next. The, 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 I'll, I'll and Kevin, you wanted me to read the question uh, specifically. Yeah, I, I did, but I didn't hear what your your yeah. Your no, he said he said would you would you rather see your team lose in the qualifying round and win the draft lottery? But didn't continue on the question to say or your team to win win in the play you know you can't say win the stanley cup because you have to go through four rounds obviously every fan of every team that's in the 24 team playoff wants their team to win this win the stanley cup but realistically the montreal canadians are not winning the stanley cup because they're not good enough chances to win a stanley cup and chances at a lottery that's that those are the options you're going to have here you got a chance to win the stanley cup or a chance to win the lottery if that's where that's the poll question 24 teams have a chance to win the stanley cup it's 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 whether you have a realistic whether you are a serious Stanley Cup contender. It depends again on who is again trying, who's going to be responding. So I'm curious again with Pagnata. I know he's based out of Toronto, but he also has a pretty sizable Montreal yeah. fan base. Sure. Yeah. They would love to have the shot, the love, the number one pick and have the chance to draft Lafreniere. We all know that it gives them, you know, an outstanding building block to work from as a team as they move forward. So I, again, it depends on. Yeah. The majority of – and I shouldn't make any assumptions about the majority of his audience, but we know he's got a substantial Montreal fan because that's where Dave is originally from. So I do see that as as who you're asking and who your base is. Right. Um, I don't see it that way because, like I said again, like he's asking if you would – if you get the if – if my, if my poll was like, would you rather your team have a chance to win the Stanley Cup or get the first overall pick – then, then I can see seventy percent of people saying I'll get the first overall pick. 
But if I'm saying or get a chance at 12%, 12%. Yeah. But act, that's again, that's, that's a huge different question. But that's, ambig that's, that's, realistic Montreal that's ambiguous, Ak. It's ambiguous. Again, anybody in the tournament has a chance. What we're talking about is do you have a realistic opportunity to win the cup? Meaning you're a contender. If you're a contender, obviously you want to you want to go for the Stanley Cup and win. If you're a team like Chicago and Montreal, screw the play in round. I want Lafreniere. So I can tell you can that you, on my side, when, when right, I posted the right. question in my blog, the majority of the comments have been um, teams will want to have the Rangers take a shot at winning the cup in terms of the guys who have responded. However, the viewpoint is, is there is no downside risk because if they lose, then we have an opportunity to have the number one overall pick. But the viewpoint that they said is play, you know, quoting Herm, Edwins, Herm Edwards, play to win the game. Right. Hopefully have a shot because the team feels they could make a run. Right. But if they lose, then you then have to basically have the advantage of having the one in eight shot to get the first overall pick. Kev, go ahead, because I, uh, I have something. Yeah, else. Mike, can, can you just read the results? Because I don't think anybody has heard them because we've always talked over oh, you reading uh, it. So the results of OK, the results of Pagnata's poll. It, again, the question was, would you rather see your team lose in the qualifying round and win the draft lottery? Yes was 71%. No was 28%. I'm surprised it's like not, not 99 to 1 because, yeah. you know, that's the way it's worded. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, okay. now, okay, this is this is my – in, talk, in talking to Russ before the show, and I admit this, the NHL has got a little bit of egg on their face. Now, I you know, before this happened, I was okay with the draft lottery, keeping the same percentages, you know, having the the, the, the losers of the play-in round, you know, qualify as as uh, un, uns, or undefined teams and then having a phase two. What they should have done in retrospect, especially after we find out that one of the undetermined teams has got the top pick is they should have waited until the end of the, of the play in round and then been a, then held the draft lottery because then you avoid this embarrassment. And Russ was basically saying, everybody is bashing the NHL right now for this, you know, disaster. I don't think it's that bad. Well, I, I'll tell you why it's bad in the sense of PR, right? So, Lafreniere is your next star that you want to market in this league. There was a Zoom call set up right after the draft to find out, you know, to interview Lafreniere so we could all write about where he's going and nobody knows where he's going. To me, that's a PR failure. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, but, Kev, what, yeah. I, what I was looking forward to asking you is I know that Steve Eiserman said all the right things. You know, he's he's a sharp guy and he's not going to lose his cool. As soon as I saw Detroit had the number four pick, I put a gif on Twitter of a, of Mount St. Helens blowing up. And I would have a feeling in the private offices of the Detroit Red Wings, that was his reaction rather than the calm demeanor that he showed afterward. Well, I mean, that really isn't his personality. Like, I'm sure they were dis disappointed. Like, the quote yeah. subsequent to that night, he said as much. But, yeah. you know, Eisenman is a cool, collected guy. Like, that's not his style to throw things around the dressing room or, you know, get excited. So I, I would say they, you know, they've now, you know, sort of said, you know, everybody has shown disgust, and then they've kind of moved forward real quickly because that's just that's just not who he is. Like, um, you know, like Brian Burke's reaction as an yeah. analyst would have, it was the exact same he would have had as a general manager yes. that's been in that position. Yeah. And the same thing I would say about Eisenman, that's, that's just not his style yeah. to, you know, kind of throw a, a, a tantrum about it. But I, I, there's no doubt they were disappointed. And I, I think the biggest thing is, is like, I think the Detroit had resigned that they probably weren't going to get number one, but I think the hope was they would get two, Right. And worst case scenario, three, right, and not four, because now, and and, and Russ he knows more about the draft than I do, but you know, I, there's the impression that there are four um, good options, and then there's just two guys, uh, Perfetti and uh, uh, Rossi, is it? Yeah, um, Rossi, but there's also yeah. the Swedes too. I wouldn't count them out. Yeah. Well, no, but 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 the, everybody sees it as just kind of a four, and then a two kind of tucked right in there that could edge into the four. So. He instead of, you know, getting his say, he's gonna be have to pick from what's left, and I think that's probably when you're in a rebuild. I think that's a little hard to take, uh, yeah. especially when 
they, you know, they weren't just the last place team. They were significantly worse than everybody else. Yeah, and, they, were, they were epically. Um, they were last place yeah. in a long time. Yeah, and, you know, even though the Detroit tanking was not as pronounced as we've seen with other teams, like, they, you know, they, were, they didn't talk about it. If you look at the way Eisenman managed that team, you know, he, he didn't uh, – he could have done some things to try to make it more competitive, right. and he did and I think he was totally fine with the team, you know, bottoming out. I mean, the fact that he kept Jeff Blaschel because he knew Blaschel had, right. you know, none of this was his fault. Right. Um, you know, kind of says it all because, you know, he sort of manipulated the lineup the way that was set up for that. So, you know, given all those factors, I think for them to pick fourth uh, is a bit of a downer for them. Well, and think sure. about it from the Ottawa standpoint. You have, you, you have two picks – in there and they can't even break the top two like for ottawa to go three and five having two picks that's almost yeah. mathematically impossible that's how you know that this was a, that this was poorly created because i guarantee you i know pierre dorian made the best of it and said well we're still going to get a player that's going to play in the nhl yeah if you want to make it that way you can make it so it doesn't mean the player's ready but end of the day you shouldn't you shouldn't get three and five for having two picks in there I was freaking. I was yeah, very but, impressed with Dorian actually the way he handled it. Um, yeah, I really was. Like, but, I, I mean, I don't know. Kevin, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say I, I've talked to some GMs and the, and that what they have said is is that at least the Ottawa got one of the three forwards right. that everybody right. like really really likes. That's um, right. And yeah, you know that 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 that's the only thing. And those other guys. I mean, Russ makes a great point. Those other guys are going to be good. Look at the draft when uh, Vancouver got Peterson and. Yep. Um, Makar yeah. goes yeah. to Colorado. You know, like yep. you know, you know. I mean, the guys taking it four and five. I mean, if Drysdale is going to be the next Niedermeyer and Eisenman takes them, when all suddenly, um, you know, the, this defense, which is their weakest link, you know, could be one of the best young defenses in the league. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the natural reactions, I think, too. It's just when you're when 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 you go through a season the way the Red Wing way Red Wing fans have gone through, your expectation is is that you you know that of what of what you're going to get, you're going to get the top guy in the draft, and you're going to build from there. But again, Patterson, McCarr, those type of players, you know, those are the, the you still have building blocks as long as you're in the as, right. as long as you still, I believe, in the top five in this draft. You yeah. have and one of those players, I think. Is it can you be a key cornerstone for the Red Wings going forward? I mean, Morgan Riley was a fifth overall pick in 2012, and I think if you go back and look at that draft, I, the, the Leafs benefited greatly from that pick, probably more than Galchenyuk or Yakupov. What, what I what I find interesting, and I know that the, we'll talk about this until Phase Two comes around, is that if certain teams win the lottery, I think that the the hubbub of the last 48 hours is much ado about nothing. If it's Chicago, if it's Montreal, even though, you know, I mean, everybody's saying Montreal because Lafreniere is from Quebec, that would be a perfect fit. If it's a team that had a bad record that just snuck into the playoffs, the, the it won't be that big of a, of a blowback. I've heard, if I had a dollar for everybody that I've heard is, if Edmonton gets the number one pick, if Pittsburgh gets the number one pick, if the Leafs get the number one pick, this is a fix. Get a life because that's bull crap. No, no that's how people are going to feel. It's not true. I mean, people love to it say was, that. But it's it was a reality. one in 40 shot at the numbers coming in. I mean, yeah, a 2.5% shot. I mean, obviously. I mean, obviously it's not a fix. And obviously, you know, that, that, and this, this, this is the way they set it up. And it really was, evident that this was the most likely outcome you know that this was how it was going to that's how it was going to play out because even though those teams have like a the, the, they were saying you know the team that wanted a 2.4 percent chance or whatever and how crazy is that it really wasn't a 2.4 percent. it chance. wasn't no it was different than yeah that. because it, it, that whole group of teams go together you know and that right. that that whole thing is is a ridiculous setup so you know when i said what he said he was right i mean this is what he should have ex we should have expected and then right. um, what i what i liked about um about the auto GM Dorian talking was that he, he did what I think needs to be done. It's just like, let's not throw everything into this. It's like, this is important. And we're all, and we, we all sit here and say how, how vitally important it is. But I was going through and I want you guys to tell me how many players in the last 15 years who've been drafted number one overall have led their team to a Stanley cup. How many 15 years, you know, and it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy number. Pat, Patrick Crosby. Patrick 
Crosby 16 years ago or Ovechkin 17 years ago? Those two, yes. But it, but no, like just the 15 years ago. Yeah, it's Kane and I'm trying to think. We've been thinking a long time, Russ, because it is Patrick Kane. <laughs> that is yeah. it. I mean, none of these other players have led their teams to a Stanley Cup um, in any way. Shape, that's or more of a testament to a team sport, not to the importance of a number one pick. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. Yeah. I like that. Well, Kev, to, to your point before about the percentages. Well, no, I, I, can, can, can Kevin respond to this? I would like you to respond to that. What are you talking about? Well, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I think that's an interesting statistic, but, um, you know, I think that just speaks how hard it is to win a cup because right. some really good players have have come through number one. Um, and, um, you know, I think if you expanded that out to the – be interesting to see what it would be if it was the number two and number three picks too. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's, but even then, even even then, Kevin, you say it's hard to win a Stanley Cup. Let's look at the teams that have had the number one pick the last fifteen years and how close have they come to winning the Stanley Cup? New Jersey, Buffalo, Toronto, Edmonton, Colorado, Edmonton, the Islanders, Tampa. They came close. Um, Chicago, like we said, St. Louis won a Stanley Cup, but their first round pick, first pick overall was Eric Johnson. He's not really a factor. New Jersey was in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, right. but they, that was before their picks. I mean, their picks were in, their picks were in 2019 and 2017. Okay, but I'm just saying they were. I mean, that, that, so those first round picks had nothing to do with. Came close would come close, I believe. Yeah, came close. No one. I mean, they're yeah. Again, but, that, but that speaks to teams that get those picks aren't good teams. Right. So teams that get those picks are usually five years away. Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers had four first overall picks in six years, and they can't make the playoffs. Right. So, right. So that's to my point is this like thing is like we put a lot of stock into this, and everybody wants this first overall pick more than they want to play for the play in the playoffs, right? So that's what they want to do. So this you first have, overall pick means what to them? You know, really, really. At the end of the day, you have a team that's player that's that you build around. That's yeah, the way right. yeah, look at you it. Around them rightly, correctly, correctly. You need that bellwether. You want that you want to have that bellwether got a player you can build right for the structure around. He doesn't necessarily have to be the prime reason, but right. he who that ever that player is facilitates that Right. Even another example, like by by Eiserman picking fourth now. Yeah. He doesn't have a player he can market and have a marketing campaign with because he's either going to take a Russian, a Swede, or you know maybe another That's Canadian player right. or two that are going to be in yeah. juniors. The other players would have played right away, and he could have sold to his fans, look, right. he is going to be our next great player. Be patient, but this is what we're building here. Right. Now at fourth, it's still good, but it's not that. You can't. He's not going to be able to have a marketing campaign now. Now, Kevin, what I want what I want to ask you yeah. is because I they I and I don't know whether it was this entire decade or just like the last five or six years, but in terms of the teams that had the worst record in the NHL that for that particular year in that particular draft, the only one who had the worst record and won the first and won the lottery was Toronto with Austin Matthews. Yep. So do you think they go back to the lottery system where it's the top five only get the chance to move up to number one and maybe, you know, the other teams have a percentage, but a percentage to move up four slots rather than move into the top pick? Well, see, I don't mind the lottery system now. I just think the the, the percentages are flawed. Like, don't should right. Red Wings have more than a 50% or 49.6 or whatever it was to, be, to land in the top three. Like yeah. to me, it feels like it should be 70. Yeah. You know? right. Like I, I think it adds to the, um, uh, the excitement of the draft when you have a lottery and anybody who doesn't make the playoffs has a shot at getting number one, even if it's a small shot, you know, right. like, like 2%, that seems about right. You right. know, to me, yeah. um, we just have to adjust the, you know, the ones so that they, um, you know, get a, a, a real chance. But yeah. here's getting back to what Eklund said, too, and I think this figures in the percentage. I think, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, we always talk about this, kind of shows why the idea of tanking, you know, while it, it seems like the right way to go, isn't as attractive as it seems to be. I think we all kind of accept that. Yeah. But if you're going down that path, once you make that decision, anybody would want the number one pick yeah. more than, you know, any other pick. So, uh, you know, whether or not it's had results or not, you, you still would prefer to have the number one, number one pick over the number three or four pick. But I given, you know, giving my druthers, so like if I was the team, 
and I had, uh, um, you know, four or five guys I could build around, I would attempt instead of to rebuild, I would try to rebuild on the fly. I think that's just as attractive as starting all over again. I mean, there is another art here, Kev. Sorry, I know Kev's audio is not synced. There is another art here, Kev, that we've started to see happen, and that is. If a team gets a lot of injuries in preseason, but they're a good team, it does behoove them to tank because then they get a top pick and then they're back to being good next year. We've seen that too. It's not always the bad team that's tanking. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and that is, that is correct. It doesn't happen as often, but Russ's point is a very valid yeah. one. Like sometimes teams tank, like the New York Rangers were not as bad as right. most um, teams, but they went that route because they felt, um, they had enough young players that if they supplemented and bottomed out maybe for a year or two, they could um, – like, to me, that changed the landscape. When the Rangers just mm-hmm. flat out came out, held a press conference, and said, we're rebuilding. Like, there were pe- general managers around the league that were irritated by that. Oh, yeah. Because um, that that made sort of tanking acceptable behavior. Right. So, now, right. I have to bring this up because locally – uh, a lot of the local Buffalo TV stations had similar talking points when, you know, the, the, the Sabres were one of the teams that sort of lost out. They were slotted seventh, and because the, the, the one of the play-in losers moves up to number one, they fall to number eight, a slot that over the last few years has not been kind to them. Uh, Middlestat, who has yet to bloom. Uh, Ristolainen, who's been problems for them up and up and down, and Al- and the wonderful, uh, exciting Alex Nylander um, has didn't pan out and was traded. Now they have the eighth pick again, and a lot of the the local reports are: should the Sabers trade the number eight pick? If you're an organization who wants to continue to wallow in mediocrity, you go for that quick fix and you trade an eighth pick for a, for a for like a number two center that may not be a perfect fit. If you're wanting to build a team and actually, you know, have a team that lasts for six or seven years and has uh, success, you keep that pick. But right now what's coming out in the media is, well, they may trade that pick. And- I, don't, I don't know why they wouldn't. I don't know why they wouldn't look at it. I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm, I mean, honestly, the eighth pick you just said right there, you started off your sentence by saying that the eighth pick just hasn't gotten them anything strong. I mean, that's not the I mean, whatever. It's just that's not. Team. That's not the, the draft's fault. That's the. No, it's not the draft's fault. fault. At the same yeah. time, if you're the Sabers, you do need to start this thing going relatively quickly, and it depends what you're being offered for that eighth pick overall. If you're being offered a player that's guaranteed to play on your on your second line, yeah, get it. All right, well, hold on. I'm going to give you the, the scenario act. The type of player that's going to be offered, and again, this is a really good draft, but because the cap is capped. And we know for the next year or two, it's not going anywhere. The type of player they're going to be offered is like Tyler Johnson, who's got like two years left on your deal. And it is not worth it for the Sabres to make a trade like that, to fill that spot. Because even if they get slightly better, Johnson's not going to resign with them. And now you've lost another slot, at least having a chance for a player for the next 10 years. You've yeah. traded that for two years. And, yeah, if, you're, if, and if, you're, if you're Kevin Adams and you're being offered that for the number eight pick, if you're me or if you're Russ, if think of anybody with a, with a level head when it comes to – you would not make that deal. If you're Kevin Adams and you can get Anthony Sorelli for the for the eighth overall pick, you do it in, in a red-hot minute. Right. But you're not going to trade that guy. Well, don't so. you wait and see what you can get for it? I mean, if you can get something that goes on your second line, you do it. You do it depends in how long and depends on how much you're paying for him. And that's what Russ and, and Mike are both pointing out. Oh, I you're get that. Oh, that's that's what guys. Makes no sense. But we can't sit there and say that this eighth pick is going to be the key to the Sabres' future. What has Ottawa gotten for their picks? They're a team that has desperately wanted to trade. They've got nothing. You've got to take a shot. You can say, oh, these Sabres are take a shot. not going to make a trade. Their Dorian was the GM in the right mind is going to care about that. The GMs are going to look and they're going to say what's being offered. If it's being offered something that can fix my, help my team right now. And Johnson is a good example. Okay. Yeah, Tyler Johnson might not resign there in two or three years. But what everyone's forgetting here is the problem with tanking and the problem with losing in general is what it does to your entire team. You lose your entire team. Your young players have a year that they lose and they go through another year that they lose. And then and when you when you lose, when you get into the habit of losing, it's a scary habit to get into for an organization. That's what the problem with Edmonton was. Edmonton lose learned to lose. And when you learn to lose, you don't fight as hard as you have to. You don't know what it takes to win. And at the end of the day, oh, there we go. At the end of the day, 
um, everything, you know, everything. So I really don't see how that is. This is this, this, being blown off all the time by everybody. Out there. This is this is the one problem, like with you, with what you were just saying, Act. Uh, I'll, and I'll use the Leafs, Leafs as an example. You know how many players from that 2015 team, 2015-16 uh, team that finished last overall are on the Leafs now? One. Right. right. You know how many playoff players won? Yeah, but act, could you look at the team now and the team the team four years ago, and you're telling me they're in the same the same realm? They're completely there's, there's, there's key players, Morgan Riley, key players that are still on the That's the only team. one. He's the only one. He has, he has he has been on an organization that has been okay with losing for three. He was on an organization that was okay with never, three seasons. I, they have never been okay with losing. They just didn't do what they had to do to be a winner, which was the game. <laughs> All right. Kevin? What I'm basically saying is somebody, somebody is trades it? on the first day of the draft are becoming rare. Last year, mm -hmm. all the trades were made on day two. And they're made on day two for a reason because yeah. these these other teams have been trying to get players for their picks. But you're not getting offered the guys you would hope they would get offered. It just doesn't happen. And right now it's not happening. And I don't think the trend's going to change this year. You're going to get salary dump chances and you, cause you have cap space and you're going to get guys with a little bit of term that that team knows they can't resign. That's yeah. what you get offered. And good players. Tyler Johnson, by the way, is well, instead of waiting. Kevin, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I, you know, I don't mind the uh, argument about uh, winning and losing culture. I think there's a lot to that. I just don't know. Like it takes a while for that to happen. Like I think you can do it for a season or two and not disruptive. Like if the jeez, uh, uh, all the dogs are going. That's okay. Um, it, you know, I, I think if they had a blip in in, in Tampa for uh, a season, I don't think it, they would suddenly be a, kind of a losing culture team. Right. You know, if it, if it goes over four or five or six or seven or eight seasons, like you know, Buffalo doesn't have a winning culture. Right. And that's the problem. Right. But but let me throw, let me throw this out there. Or do the Buffalo Sabers have to go for someone to help them now because their fan base is tired? Or could they call the Detroit Red Wings, who you know, everyone knows Eisenman likes the Russian goalie, who you know doesn't really fit at four, but at eight makes sense. Do they uh, you know do they try to cut a deal with them uh, to try to move up to fourth in the draft? Uh, I think just to add a little disaster. I think that day, yeah. seeing how the board plays out, right. would happen. But there's also a couple of other teams that could take Ascara off before eight. So I think that's a day that's like you have to do that the day of the trade. You get a, like, yeah, well, you it's not going to go that you way. You got to get a real good read on the floor. Yes. Or if, and, as if much he's the guy you really want, yeah, the, 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 trust, you take him at four. Right. If he, if you think he is your franchise goalie, no, no, you don't agree. take the risk of trading down and have somebody else. I agree. Him. But like Anthony said, you can read the floor and sometimes yeah. take that chance. Well, it's a little difficult here, obviously, is we're going to be going the virtual to floor. floor. You get an idea, you know. Yes. In this case. But, but again, the whole yeah. point. Well, go ahead, Cap. Kevin, please. Well, those, those kind of deals are always made contingent on if he's there. Right. You know, you you yeah. those kind of things. All the time, we said, "Look, if the guy we want is there at eight, you want to do blah blah blah." And you know, if you're the Sabers, now suddenly you've got uh, you know Reinhardt and Darlene, uh, and of course Jack Eichel, and now you get the number four pick, and you tell yourself, "Well, you know, now I've got a good collection of younger players." Yeah. And if you're Detroit, you say, "Well, look, you know, I think the the uh, player I get at eight, you know, might be as good as the player I could get at four. And what if I could get some?" Um, you know, what if they could get, you know, Ristolainen, uh, you know, would that, would, would that be enough? I don't know how the Red Wings even feel about Ristolainen, but I'm just throwing that name out there. Yeah. Right. So, you know, could they get some help? Well, there, there, there's some school of thought when, when Russ and I were talking after after the lottery. If you look at Ottawa, Ottawa doesn't have a franchise goaltender, and they have three and five. So if they take Byfield at three, for example, they can afford to be a little daring on the on the fifth overall pick. And if they need that, if they think that they need that franchise goaltender, then Askarov at that point would be would be a good pick. But I actually agree. I mean, Kev, last year, Eiserman stunned a lot of people in Vancouver when he took Cider. I think it was at six. Yep. But what we what we heard at the combine, we weren't surprised that Cider went that high because everybody was saying everybody this guy's yeah, yeah this guy is vaulting up. So if if Eisner thinks that Askarov is the guy, 
then he might not just trade down. If he, you know, if he thinks he can be there at eight, then sure, why not? But if he thinks that there's a chance that Ottawa takes him at five, then he probably takes him at four. I don't think so. I don't okay. think he will. Well, uh, I know oh. that I know that uh, I know that Sam Constantino from Sportsnet seems to think that Cole Perfetti is going to be the. Uh, the, the the Detroit pick at four because there are so many connections between him and the Red Wings. He played in Saginaw. Uh, Jimmy Devolano owns part of the Saginaw uh, team. Um, you know, there's a, some sort of connection with Chris Osgood. There's a lot of connections there. I, I don't know. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, Perfetti, doesn't he? Uh, I have not seen him play and don't know much about Some people have said he's got a little Eisenman vibe in him. Uh, as well, is. is that true, Russ? Yeah, there is. He he's he's got the most hockey sense of any player in the draft. He was second in the OHL in scoring. Uh, I've written about him. He scored like ridiculously high in math and geometry, and he feels like that helps him on the ice. He hustles. He's a better goal scorer than he's probably getting credit for. I've had him ranked four all year, so it wouldn't shock me if they take him. But I, I'm not going to say they're going to take him just because of Saginaw and the Michigan stuff and, and that. I, I think it has to be more than that because they're still in a good spot, and there's a lot of players. Like, as an example, Lucas Raymond, you can make the argument that he could be a franchise player. I don't know if Perfetti's a franchise player. I just know he's an excellent player who will be an all-star. You see some higher, little higher upside skill when it comes to Raymond. A higher skill level on Raymond. And that's where everybody gets a little of the, the, the Pedersen vibe out of him, I think, but not, not quite the same player, but right. you have those really high ceiling skills. Right, and Holtz all around is better than Raymond. And so, like, that's why I say don't count these Swedes out because, you know, Holtz was proving it in the SHL this year, not even playing big minutes, and he had a decent year. He didn't have huge points, but, again, he's playing on a team that, you know, he's a low man on a totem pole. So it wouldn't surprise me, though, as far as Perfetti. Now um – well, I was just going to say, and, you know, we know from Eiserman's history is he doesn't follow the trends. Um, right. You know, we know that, you know, he doesn't uh, follow the rankings, one, two, three, four, five, six. He has a lot of conviction in his own uh, ability to uh, scout talent, and uh, he is – uh, you know, he's got a lot of courage. Like he doesn't mind uh, risking, uh, uh, you know, people saying, "What does he know? What he's doing?" Um, because he does. He feels like he does know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. he's had. Think he's got history in Tampa. I mean, they were an outstanding drafting organization, the Lightning. So he's got that backing him up. I mean, I've heard this goalie that you know this this you know I don't know if they drafted him before, but you know someone's telling me yeah he's a lot like Vasilevsky or whatever. You know, I don't know much about him as you guys do. I, I think he could be a Vasilevsky for I mean, sure. I love Vasilevsky, obviously. And again, he I, I just wrote about him for another company. Yeah. But he at the age of seventeen was already showing well. In the under 18s, he was unbelievable. Yeah. He's won gold and silver now in the World Juniors. When most people saw him, he was the youngest guy in the tournament, and right. the fact that Russia actually ran with him as the goalie shows you what they think of him because they yeah. never do that team russia never goes with a 17 going to be 18 year old he just turned 18 in june because what that shows you russ is like what he what he looks like in practice to them like right. when, they, when they're out there they're shooting on yeah. him and no pressure on the line they're like this kid is unbelievable we got to get him out there and then right pressure and those kicks over when he gets into a tournament and he's six three already he'd yeah. probably be 200 something pounds yeah he's acrobatic he does flop a little bit, but he's also got a great glove. So when you put all those things together, he is the only guy in the draft that is a just about surefire number one goalie like Marc-Andre Fleury was, as an example. And so if a team feels like they're going to need him, even if the Kings felt like, hey, you know what? We know we're getting rid of quick. We don't know. You know, we don't know these things, but the Kings might know. And where Peterson, we like him, but we still – we're going to need to see if he's number one. They could still want a scar off. I mean, you only get a shot at a goalie like this once every four or five years. Right. And and that's, you know, because, again, you could look at other guys that have been drafted, like Jake Ottinger is a good one. He went at the end of the first round for, da for Dallas. Not nearly as good. He's good. But, you know, when you're talking about different varying levels of number one, right? that's where you're, you know, you're setting these guys apart. Now, Kev, um, the other story that was supposed to come out on Friday and then supposed to come out today, and now, according to John Shannon, won't come out until at least tomorrow, is the announcement of the hub cities. It, uh, the only thing that we've learned is Vancouver is out. 
Um, it sounds like yeah. it's going to be Vegas and either Toronto or Edmonton. I've, I've heard that Toronto is a little ahead of Edmonton, but what have you heard? Yeah, I mean, I also heard that they're really watching the trends mm -hmm. um, of what's happened with the virus, particularly in, uh, you know, the U.S. And, you know, they don't want to rush into it and then suddenly have the city be overwhelmed sure. um, yeah. by the virus and, you know, having to deal with that. So, you know, they do have some time, um, and I think they're going to use that because I was told uh, yesterday that it didn't, it didn't look like it was going to happen today just because they just kind of wanted to wait and take all the time they could get. But at some point, you know, because you got to make preparations, uh, you, you've, you've got you've to know. So I expect it'll be quickly. But Are you hearing a great um, about Vegas? Have you heard a lot of concern about Vegas growing a little bit? I, I have heard some concern. I've heard two things. Number one, that there's concern about Vegas as a hub. I've also heard that there are more players than we think out there who has reservations about even playing. Yeah, um, yeah so, so we, we knew that that would be the case. Yeah. But, Kev, the only thing I'll say about Vegas is while – They've had high instances. It's nothing like Florida. The NBA hasn't sure. backed out of Disney. So I'm not sure if this would be enough to back out of Vegas either. Don't you find it curious that um, – and I, 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 don't, I can't remember which is which, but either the NBA or uh, somebody is not uh, going to uh, have the hotel employees uh, live within the bubble. Yeah, um, I know. I am that. Both the NBA and Major League Baseball. I'm surprised at that. Completely shocked. Yeah, me too. And that's hard. It's hard to get the hotel employees living in the bubble for sure. But still, that's something. Well, not if you hire the unions as well, though. In that circumstance, as to whether or not the union membership is willing to, to the, yeah. those, those workers are willing to, to to live in that circumstance. Yeah. yeah. You know how the union would do it, and also you got to get down to the remuneration. If they're going to be away from their home, you're going to want. Some compensation. Right. For that. so that's what it is. If they hired them for that job at a much higher rate, they, they could get those people to do it for sure. But that's that would have taken forethought, and they apparently didn't do maybe, that. Maybe, maybe, or again, it, it depends on the priority of the individual workers. How many are willing to do? How many are willing to do that? Be away from their family. Um, it's tough. There's, it's it's a life factor, not just a money factor. In no, no, but people go for oil drilling, right? That's not a safe job. That's either. true, but again, you, but it's you're talking about a job that you know what you're signing on for, right? Right. Well, going, Kev, going back to the, your point about, uh, oh God, I'm drawing a blank now. Let me try. Can I, go, can I try something here? Go oh, no, I'll, I'll come back to it. I appreciate it. Um, all right. So, I mean, the, this thought of okay, you have Edmonton. Edmonton and Toronto, it looked like, from all, from all intents and purposes, it looked like it was going to be Vancouver and yeah. and Vegas, and Vancouver pulls out. Um, and then, you know, so that if it was going to be Vancouver and Vegas, that means that they picked Vancouver over Toronto at one point. And if, I, if that's the case, then I can't see them not picking Edmonton over Toronto as well. But just, just from the perspective of what is the safer area, what's the safer place? Like Edmonton has just far, you know, it's a, it's a smaller city. It's more out, it's, it's just further away. It's, it's, it's more of an... An outpost. Toronto is a major city. Um, if you know, I wouldn't have a problem if they went with Edmonton and Toronto, to be honest, because I think they, I think Vegas is going to be. I think that's just that's just a disaster waiting to happen, in my opinion. But I, I think if you put all your eggs in one country basket, though, egg, egg, you're you're risking it because you never I'm know where the next ours right now, Russ. No, but but the idea is you don't know where the next outbreak is going to be. Just because they're in Canada doesn't mean they're any safer. Yeah. Right now, they're just lower. There's and, less people and, up there, Russ. I mean, that's the reality is there's less people. I mean, that, I know, but the players don't even want to be the players yeah. don't even want to be in Edmonton. They've pretty much said that. And at two and a half months ago, what were the three places that had the lowest amount of uh COVID-19 positives where Major League Baseball was gonna play? Arizona, Florida, and Texas. It can right. change on a dime. Sure. So, right. Yeah. But we haven't seen but, it. But what's the big oh, that's why I don't understand. Why is it a big deal for the players? Like what city they're in when, in theory, they're not going out. Right, they're not. Leaving. I know. Yeah, I agree. So, with you. Well, now I now remember what I was gonna what I was gonna ask Kevin because you you referenced uh, you know some of the players having an issue with uh, even playing. There's been uh, you know, a lot of talk. I know Pierre LeBron has mentioned uh, sort of a memorandum of understanding between the players and the PA about a new CBA. Nothing etched in stone that actually the, the July 10th opening of training camps would be possibly delayed a couple days because they have to get the vote in. And then we saw the the tweet from Artemi Panarin, which I believe was written by somebody else, uh, and uh, and the Ryan Kessler missive. Uh, that I mean, 
I, I don't know. Like, I can't predict where, where the vote would go. I would find it hard to believe that the players would vote down playing because in the end, they're going to get the hit. You know, we're going to get hit one way or the other. So why would yeah. they? I think they will too. Uh, even though I that we've heard that there are some players with reservations. Uh, this is a kind of a go-along sport. Like, players are too good at teammates. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, to, you know, to, to bail out. I just don't see that happening, even though they may have concerns about it. Um, I, you know, I just can't see them giving up a chance to, you know, be with their team and try to go for the cup. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to be concerned about. It's another thing to be able to have the, um, you know, courage to kind of walk away and say, no, I'm just not going to do it. That's, yeah. that's different. Yeah. Right. Not one has said that they're walking away where the NBA is up to like three or four now. Right. Yeah, I do worry about the whole thing getting getting canceled, though. I do, I do. I do. I think it's possible. Uh, I, the more I, I, the people I talk to, the leagues, the leagues were shut down even at that point. Anything could be stopped on a dime. They've already yeah, done. I, I just, I have this feeling like this in the back of my, like my instincts in the back of my head is that's what's going to happen, you know. And I don't want to feel that way, but it's just like that. There's that's a reality. That's reality. That's this yeah. is all like, edge, like on the edge of a knife. But yeah. the league, the league knows that when they're drawing this up, they pretty much said so. They're just they're going through this in case they can because right, they, of course, of course. that's what their job is, right? I mean, that's that's the idea. But there was there was a there was a course of 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 critics who, as soon as the eleven positives came out of the two hundred players tested, said, "Shut this down. This is ridiculous. Why are you even trying?" Right? Do you, do you understand the financial? Disaster oh, yeah, no. will be if this league doesn't play a play in the playoffs. So no, that's yeah. not. That's not. Canada not. I believe Canada's safer. I just think it's safer to go there. I don't know. Kevin, thoughts on that one? Or yeah, no. I I I said before that I thought it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility if if the you know all of a sudden you you know you're watching the news and stuff. They're saying that the next two weeks in America could be worse. Yeah. Well. The case, you know, why wouldn't uh, the NHL just say, you know, let's go to Canada where they don't have as many cases and yeah. play at Edmonton, Toronto, and if they yeah, did, I that, mean, I think, I, I, I think um, they got to make the decision that makes the players safest. And if yeah. all of a sudden we get overrun again in the next two weeks, you know, why not go to a country where it's not as prevalent? Now, yeah. I. I, I don't know who just said this, but you're so right. It could change dramatically. I think Mike said it that in two weeks. So you got to be careful. So for sure. You know what the other thing is too, Kev. If the league were to decide that, they would have to make that a quick decision because now you've got players who have to go from the U.S. into Canada, and yeah. whether their families would be allowed or not, that's a big haul now because there's there there's you want to talk about practice ice. Practice ice will get very scarce very quick. Well, yeah, I mean, already we're going to have a you know herd of people there. You know, half the players are going to have to go from U.S. to Canada, so it would yeah. just it just would double the number. Yeah, know? I mean, and, and and the reality is, I mean, and I don't, don't want to get political on this, but we don't have you don't have like the anti-maskers in Canada that you have in the U.S. You know that. You oh, just, I don't know about that. I haven't. I I haven't looked enough to say that definitively. I mean, I watch I watch the CBC News a lot down here because you know, and it's just it's just I don't. I don't, I've never heard that that whole that whole you know. Well, we have anti-maskers and anti-vaccine people all right. over the place, Zach. So right, where it, it seems like in Edmonton, um, in Vancouver, and Toronto, these places have been super. I mean, tr Vancouver is so careful that they're not letting us go there. You know, like think about it. I mean, Actually, so hold on, I have a poll from May third. The Globe and Mail. The poll showed that less than half of Canadians wear masks or gloves. Okay. We just don't hear about it. Yeah, I haven't heard about it. So. No, yeah. no. Kev, we didn't have you on the show on Friday, um, and on Wednesday, the announcement of the uh, Hall of Fame came out, and I know that we had a lengthy discussion on it. Uh, regard, you know, not, not a lot of question about Jerome McGinley or, or Marion Hosa. There was some about Doug Wilson or Kevin Lowe. I mean, personally, I said I had no problem with Kevin Lowe. The guy won six Stanley Cups, and he had, I think, seven all-star appearances. He was a defensive defenseman, so I thought eventually he would get in. And Doug Wilson was one of the most dominant offensive defensemen of the 80s. 
you know, scored 39 goals in 1982, I think it was. So I had no problem with either one of them, but a lot of people had problems with the players that were omitted, like McGillney and a few yeah. others. What, what did you think? Well, well, here's what I thought about all that. Um, you know, when Kevin Lowe, uh, right after he retired, I thought he was going to get in uh, for the Cups alone, and I thought he was a vital member of that Oilers team. But yeah. when he didn't get in, I thought, okay, well, maybe people don't see it the same way I did. So I had said maybe I was wrong. Maybe you know you can't be a defensive style uh, player and and not have uh, offensive gifts and uh, you know get in regardless how many cups you win. Well, it took two decades, but they got him in. So you know I, you yeah. know I'll just have to say that uh, I guess I was right initially and uh, <laughs> all this time. But it is hard to explain why it took you twenty years. To you know, to get in Doug Wilson. Now, the, the funny story I would tell about Doug Wilson is why I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because when fantasy baseball started, fantasy hockey started two or three years later, yep. and I started playing regularly. And I remember specifically how dominant Wilson was yep. in fantasy hockey yep. in those early years. Right. Like if you had Doug Wilson as one of your defensemen. It was a significant. That's how much better he was than most of the other players. So, yeah. you know, he was a difference maker for several years. But, again, I find it odd that it took, what, 24 years or whatever it was that, yeah, that he had to get him in there. But um, yeah, the, the, the things about the players, it seemed like this was a cleanup year. And, you know, there were other players like McGillney, yeah. um, um, uh, Keith Kachuk, um, you know, there's Roenick that, you know, has to be uh, considered as well. I mean, there are a lot of guys that are floating around there that could have easily been in this cleanup year. Yeah. Uh, Al and they didn't Al get in. So Al Alfredson was another one. And I, know, and I know next year yeah. the, the Sedins are in that class. And there, there's one other, like, almost can't miss that that's coming up too. And one, you know, it was, it's with the limit of four. I don't know when these, you know, these players, they're going to have to wait more years to get in. I mean, what, what Rogi Vashon what, waited, what, 25? He waited 25 years, and now Wilson yeah. waited 25 years. So it seems to be a trend that somebody's yeah. going to slip through the cracks. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the one element that's often forgot. Everybody just talks about, um, you know, should they be in or should they? But it also is the timing of who's up when yeah. you're trying to get up. You're, you may be a great player, but compared to if you come, you know, come up at a time when there are a bunch of slam dunk, we got to get them in right now picks, you know, you're going to have to wait. And, yeah. you know, the point you just made about this, you know, this group now, the McGillney, Roenick, uh, uh, Kachuk, uh, um, Daniel Alperson. Yeah. The, those guys are all going to wait now. If next year there's not room to get any of them in. Yeah. It's, I it's like rare that. that we have room for two late bloomers. I continually throw Mike Richter's name out there, which is the most baffling to me. That's the one that I just well, know. the goal the goalies are over. I mean, like 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 I, I know, said, but we talked about this before, but I just think that there's a guy who's just Cujo, Richter, Barrasso, Vernon. There's like five or six. You know, uh, Lauren Shabbat. There's there's like five or six goaltenders that I think may eventually get in, but they're gonna have to wait a while because goalies goalies are like what was it was it Russ in baseball? There was like. Shortstops or second baseman, there were like very few. Second base, yeah. For goalies, it's seven since 1989. I mean, I continue to go with Russ Cohen on this, and then 100 NHL grades, 100 Ranger grades, and that Mike Richter is number three in his book. And for number three in his book of the all time Ranger greats, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? It's crazy. The, ho the hockey news had Lauren Shabbat as one of the 20 best goaltenders. Yeah in the history of the NHL, and he's not – and he has 73 shutouts, and he's not in the hockey hall. I think there's been a lot more patience in the past, too. I think we're, we're, in the age of social media, things that the, the, the sound – the sounding board gets really loud for, for any player who doesn't get in. Again, we heard a lot of noise from O'Gilney uh, on that day. Yeah. And that's, that goes – that gets into it, and people really sort of, you know, ring the bell hard, and it, it – I mean, McGillney could be a friggin' builder. Like, you could actually call McGillney a builder. You could. Could. You really could. I mean, he, that, but he, awesome. he got it, but based on his, his numbers and everything, you yeah. know, he's a player. It's just when yeah, will open for him, when he'll get that call from Lanny. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I think that's the case. Um, I think Lonnie would call anybody if he's allowed. I mean, before we get out of here today, I want to ask um, a couple questions about getting back to our original tank, tank, tank topic. Um, and I wanted to see Mike. I want to ask Mike flat out, Mike, do you want the Leafs to lose in the in the in the play-in round and have a twelve point five percent chance of winning, or do you want them to win and go to the sec, go to the playoffs? What do I want? Well, yeah, what do you want? What do you want? I, I'm not a fan anymore. Adam. I know, but if you were a fan. Uh, well, since I don't think that they have a legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup, I want Lafreniere. Okay, so you want them to lose in the first round. Yeah. To Columbus. Um, Russ, you carry, cover the Rangers. What do you think mm -hmm. about the Rangers? Yeah, I, I don't think they have a legitimate cup chance. I would want them to lose and get the pick. They haven't had a first-round pick ever in the history of the yeah, NHL. Yeah. True, 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 true. True. Um, Anthony, the Flyers can't happen to the Flyers, but if it could <laughs> – <laughs> if it could, what would you want? It's a unique situation for Philadelphia. They were in the five spot, like say they were swapped yeah. off with Pittsburgh. It's it, because again, it, it's very much framed by what how how you did during the, the one year. point difference, right, between Pittsburgh and Philly. Yeah, one, yeah, really. There's not much, <laughs> one point. much difference, but honestly, I think at this point, because Philadelphia has been at this for a while now, mm -hmm. and, and and in terms of the rebuild, I think that I think the fan base would want to see the team making a hard run of the Stanley Cup. You'd have to really sort of educate them a lot on Lafreniere for them to, to convince the fan base. I think that it would be better to tank out than than than, than try to than try to go for it. All right, yeah, okay, Kevin. I'm going to give you the Penguins. The Penguins, do they want? Uh, that, that's not close to me. Eight, eight, you know, it's eighty-seven percent point five chance of. That you won't get Lafreniere. Right. I would always take, always take winning. And the, and the Penguins have a legitimate chance. Okay, yeah, but all right, let's go with the Montreal Canadiens. They do. The, I would, all the Canadians. That's, that's no probably way. the interesting one to me. Like the one that I would think the fans of Montreal. Like this is a kid who's from the area, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But still, I can't imagine a Montreal Canadiens fan sitting there and not rooting for their team to win. If, um, if I'm a Habs fan, I'm hoping Carey Price stands in, in stands with his legs wide open and they shoot about seven bucks through him in the first period. Well, that's uh, what I'm hoping for because they, you know, I mean, I, legitimately, they don't have much of a chance of winning that series. And with the potential, even if it's twelve and a half percent of getting a francophone number one overall pick who could be the star of that franchise for ten to fifteen years, right? Of course. It's okay. not a. It's, there's not a. Not a doubt okay. what they're. Right. Okay. I will tell you this, Eck. There's a lot of tweets about the Habs trying to get Lafreniere. Oh, I know. I know. I'm not. And there's I, a lot. I, I people, but like Kevin said, 85 percent chance you're not going to get it. I know. 87.5. What do you think the chances of Montreal's winning the cup? I think it's worse than that. Uh, probably. But you know, at least you get probably. it. Probably. <laughs> no, I mean the chances of the Canadians winning the Stanley Cup is boy, we have it five percent maybe. Like that would be something. 0.5% maybe. All right. But even then you're still, as long as you're playing games, you're alive. I mean, that's what sports are about. Why do we forget that? It's like, to me, it's like unbelievable. Sports uh, are also about winning. And sometimes you're angry. This is angrier than teams not going after backup goalies. This is the one thing that makes me angrier. This, this is this is this is my point of view, and I'll put it very concisely. The people who are rooting for teams to tank are rooting for their teams eventually to win because they know that teams cannot win without talent, and that is the way to get talent. But for your team to eventually win, you have to go through some seasons where you don't tank and you don't win. You don't you don't take the step from tank. Yeah, and a lot of times teams go through that anyhow. Right. And that's, and that's the worst part. By just putting patches and patches and patches, they end up going through that for longer than they need to. I mean, the Maple Leafs spent a lot of yeah. money. The, the one thing, though, is you, you, go ahead. Kevin. You, you can't really tank in a playoff series. You can tank in a season. Right. But in a playoff series, I mean, other than you can use your number two goalie instead right. of your number one. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously coaches and players don't tank. They never, no, no. you know, that's just no. not what they do. So, <laughs> you know, you either have to, you know, order your coach to right. um, play just younger players, which right. I just can't imagine anybody doing, um, and then switching goalies. And, you know, the number two goalie in the NHL is still a pretty good goalie. So right. I don't think you can take in a first-round series. I don't think you can either, but I think that the point is, like, will Mike – Korean Mike, like as a Leafs fan, more Leafs fans will be sitting there pulling, rooting for Columbus in this playoff series. No, than okay, Heck, I, I have breaking news. Go ahead. One is one is of a fun nature, but one is actually a hockey nature. It's just um, right now, Ilya Sorokin 
and Kaprizov and Romanov are all practicing together. So only one of them so far is coming over to the NHL next season. And but they're all, but they're all working out together. And the whole, and that whole situation, Kevin, is still in limbo. We don't mm -hmm. know whether Romanov, Sorokin. Uh, Kaprizov can play yeah. this year. I mean, that's something that has to be resolved in the next week or so because training camps start July 10th. And and the Mets I'm pretty Milky. sure it will be. Yeah. yeah. And the Mets sign Melky Cabrera, so I really want to sign off now and break something. <laughs> Go ahead, Russ. You're out here without. Well, thank you, Kevin, so much for joining us. Um, and uh, that's yep. the only, you're the only person I'm going to thank on this panel today. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I feel so unappreciated. Thanks, Zach. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Stay safe out there. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.